You know what's great about being a podcaster and not a YouTuber? Y'all have no idea what I look like. I could be in the most ratty and terrible of clothing, have my hair totally unkempt, both of which are totally true, by the way, and you wouldn't know. You don't care. Welcome to The Individualist with David C. Bass discussing world, United States politics, political theory, and individual liberty from an individualist perspective. So with all that uh, happy music and hilarity from earlier being said, this episode actually is pretty serious. And the reason why I decided to make this episode is because of something that's going down in Iceland very recently. Here's the gist of what's going down. They are trying to remove the gene for Down syndrome. And already I don't like this idea because I don't think there's anything wrong with people who have Down syndrome. Uh, One of... I believe I would say that she's like a first cousin or something, um, has Down syndrome. I see her at family reunions and she's just a happy kid. There's nothing wrong with her. Um, She thinks differently than other people, but as a whole, there's nothing wrong with the kid. But people of Iceland don't recognize this and they want to remove it. So their response is to abort the kids who either may have it or distinctly do have it. And this is the kind of stuff that happens when you don't recognize the rights and the uniqueness of the individual, it becomes a lot easier to just do things in regards to the safety of the collective and not recognize the rights of the individual. And I think why we've started moving more towards that idea is because people don't know the origin or don't recognize the legitimacy of human rights. So for this episode, I wanted to do an explanation of the origin of human rights, where they come from, what they are, and why we should recognize them in the first place. So, here we go. So, we could go at this from a historical perspective. Um, we, we could go at this uh, from recognizing that Cyrus the Great made this set of laws that recognized that people had the rights to not be enslaved and the rights to practice your religion uh, however you wanted without the worry of oppression. Um, the right to free speech, things of that sort. We could go on to things like uh, the Magna Carta, um, the Constitution, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. But if we do it simply based off of, you know, uh, people decided this a long time ago uh, and governments since then decided to respect this, then it can be taken away at any point because it's essentially just a human construct. But there's a problem with that. It really isn't. And here's why I say that it is not just a human construct. Because when they did an experiment in Rome back in 27 BC, they realized that people naturally follow a set of laws, follow a set of rights, recognize um, these things as being unique to other people. And they would even base their arguments for why they did something that was wrong, that other people would recognize as wrong based off of these. Uh, if they stole something, they would say, well, I wasn't really stealing it or I needed to steal it for uh, my own personal, um, well, being my own personal self-preservation, things of that sort. But they were doing this without being told to uh, and regardless of what the actual laws were. And uh, the rulers would trample on these rights and people would uh, realize them as being wrong. uh, But where was this idea coming from? They were just doing these naturally and even some very intelligent animals 
Um, there was a video I watched on YouTube of this guy who is breaking down this parrot's cage to make him a new one, and the parrot is going livid. So I looked into it a little bit further, and I found out that this is what parrots do when their homes are being destroyed. They get very upset because they recognize this, to some extent, as being their property, which I found very odd. I'm thinking, how is it that even a parrot recognizes something as their property and that it's something that they should have. They have this inherent right to property. Even animals are doing this. I thought this was really strange. And secular uh, philosophers have recognized these rights as being a thing because they watched it repeatedly happen. And people naturally have this idea that the rights exist regardless of law. But where does it come from? Because we can still recognize it to an extent as being a social construct, even though we don't know a beginning to it. Um something that just naturally comes about through society. And if it's just something that naturally comes about through society, then it's not something that really has to be respected, right? But if it comes from a higher power, a higher being, a higher thing than just nature, then suddenly it becomes a lot more important to be recognized. And the people who wrote the Constitution, which is the thing that a lot of Americans uh, recognize our rights being behind, people who wrote the Magna Carta, I believe, even recognized these as being inalienable rights given to us by God. Which, if God exists, then this is an extremely important thing to be recognized by. But if they are so easily able to say these come from God, where in the Bible do these come from? And one of the first people who decided these rights being life, liberty, and property was John Locke, who was a theologian. So if a theologian is the one coming up with these ideas, he has to be basing it off of some biblical spot that claims these. And there is. After some look into it, I realized that these ideas of life, liberty, and property all sort of stem from one spot over in Genesis, where it says that we are made in the image of God. And consistently, whenever the Bible talks about these ideas of right and wrong, this idea of ethics, God almost always, when he's giving this to people, goes back to saying, hey, you are made in my image, and therefore you are to respect others and yourself because you are to respect me. And before the laws set about for Israel distinctly, which I don't recognize as all being relevant right now, comes Genesis 9. And in Genesis 9, 5 through 6, it says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Like I said, it's all going back to Genesis 1, 27. From this comes the right to defend yourself because you're made in the image of God, the right to defend others from attack, and the right to property. Now, I wouldn't mention this distinct verse if it didn't have a parallel in the New Testament, but this verse is in Exodus 22. Exodus 22, 2-3, two ESV. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him, the person who shot him, uh, if we're talking nowadays, uh, and just struck him if we're talking back then. So this person is not found guilty of bloodshed for defending him, his family, and his property, his house, that which is the product of his labor. And this is continued on in different verses 
uh, not just in old times, uh, like the you shall not steal, that sort of thing, but also in Luke 22, uh, when God gives, um, Jesus gives specifically his disciples the command to defend themselves, to get weapons, to prepare to defend themselves. But when Peter slices off the ear of one of the guards, Jesus says no, because Jesus said um, that he was allowing them to take him. So it wasn't a matter of self-preservation. And there are a large series of verses, even in the New Testament, that talk about property rights, like Matthew 19.18, Mark 10.19, Luke 18.20, Romans 13.19, 1 Peter 4.15. The list goes on, but then there's a very curious passage in the New Testament coming from the mouth of John the Baptist when soldiers ask him how to be a good soldier. In Luke 3.14, in the New International Version at least, um, it says, Then some soldiers asked him, And what should we do? He, being John the Baptist, replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. But it says something different in the King James Version. And let me read that for you really quickly. Uh, it says, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. From this we can continue into the verse of Proverbs 3.30, um, which says, Do not strive with a man without cause. If he has done you no harm, then the verse right after, Proverbs 3.31, which says, Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. From this, I would get the idea of the right to liberty, which I would define as simply being, uh, do not harm anybody, not just do not kill people, but do not harm anybody without cause. So really don't harm anybody else unless they're harming you, or as a reference earlier, uh, harming somebody else. So it doesn't really give a law to keep somebody from harming themselves, which is why I have a lot of issues with victimless crimes, because while I recognize certain things as being wrong, I also don't recognize the right that we have to harm somebody uh, if they're not harming somebody else, essentially, like victimless crimes, that sort of thing. That's where I would say comes the right to liberty. The Bible consistently talks about liberty and how we have freedom in Christ. So this idea of freedom in Christ and liberty is so importantly ingrained in the Bible, which is why I would say to include the right to liberty is an excellent addition. Now, this episode has been going on for quite a while, so I'm just going to wrap it up with this. The idea that rights, human rights, are a social construct has no basis in nature because we see people acknowledging these rights without being told to on the typical basis, unless they're a sociopath or something like that. And even then, they'll try to make some excuse for it, typically based upon those rights. And if we want to go back further, we have to recognize that there is some origin to these outside of it just being natural. So having God as the origin of these rights makes complete sense. So whether you're an atheist or a Muslim or a Christian, it is important for us to recognize these rights. For a Christian, it's important to recognize these rights because we recognize that we're made in the image of God. For an atheist, it's important to recognize these rights because we have to recognize the law of nature, therefore making anybody, regardless of what hierarchy they claim to be, rejecting these rights as being unnatural. So yes, natural rights do exist, and they ought to be respected. With that being said, this has been The Individualist, with episodes on Saturdays at 3 p.m., talking about freedom, individual liberty, Jesus, and local news. And as always, thanks for listening.